Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. And here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am young Ari Gold, and I am joined, as usual, by my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garden Texan. And, John, I thought I'd kick it back, back in the day. We'll take it way back to how we used to start the podcast with how our weeks have been. So, John, I'm going to start with you. How has your week been this week? It has not been the best week. Uh, little Jack Jack decided to that he wanted to cast, I guess. I don't know. He um, At preschool, he managed to break his arm, so we got to spend some time in the ER. And over at Dell Children's here in Austin, and they took, they took wonderful care of him. But, you know, my little boy's got his first broken arm, and it's, I'm sure it's not going to be the last time. And he's got his Captain America cast, and he'll be happy to tell you all about it if you ever see him and ask him. So what happened? How did he break his arm? Because, I mean, I, I, we talked on the phone when it happened, but, like, how did he literally, like, how did he break his arm? Here's the part that's kind of scary. They're not entirely sure. That's, so, that's new daycare for Jack. <laughs> uh, this daycare we're at, we've loved. They've, we've had a lot of good luck. Um, the kids were playing out on the playground. What they thought it was was there's a little house that has like this little ledge on it that they can reach up and kind of do pull-ups on and kind of swing. And Jack's been known to do, to do that, and they chase him and they get him down. However, when you ask Jack what happened, Jack tells you he tried to jump over the car. And there's a little push car that, and I mean, Jack's too. He, you, what he, his words are, I mean, Parker and no, he's, he's got a lot of words and he can tell you stories and yeah, he loves Parker, but when he says him, he context and things like that, he's not lying to you, but He's just toddler. It's toddler speak. But when you ask him how he broke his arm, he says, I tried to jump over a car and I put my arm out and it hurt. And then it went out and now I have big boo-boo. That's pretty much how he tells you. So there's definitely something to do with the car. The fact that his daycare said the problem was he he didn't scream. Um, Honestly, from what I kind of understand, this is... Mom and, and dad were a lot more emotional than Jack. Jack started sobbing <laughs> pretty hard and went and climbed in somebody's lap. And that's how they kind of knew they saw him. They saw him kind of falling, kind of just coming out of the, uh, the house. But when they showed me the house, like it's not that tall. It's, it would have been like a foot like fall. It's for them, for it to happen, how they described it. So he was probably cutting through the house to get to the teacher. I'm not sure. They're not sure, Hmm. which is. Well, Jack Jack is okay, which is the biggest part. And we FaceTimed earlier, so he's totally happy. And you would never even know he has a broken arm because that's just how Jack Jack is. Dude, Um, he is not going to let anything get in the way of his happiness. 
Nope, and I love that about him. Like, that's that's one of the best attributes a, a a kid or a human could have. Like that really should be everybody's like little mantra. Like I nothing agree. should get in the way of your happiness. And my little boy, God bless him, he definitely lives that. Nothing is getting in the way of his happiness. Yep. And I'm going to well, let him be a Texans fan. So what is what is wrong with me? <laughs> Well, and luckily, luckily his his cast is red and blue, so it works out. Um, uh, shout out to Run Game Clothing, by the way. Um, Travis, the owner of Run Game Clothing, recently had his second child. Travis, uh, you know, congratulations to you and the family. Make sure you guys go to Run Game Clothing. Type in promo code um, Unfiltered for fifteen percent off your order. Um, you know, Travis was a big part about uh, you know helping us with the. Um, opening game uh event that we threw and um you know just a, a their official partner of the texans unfiltered podcast so shout out to travis um another shout out to uh sauce sports and uh head honcho over there at sauce sports um i was on sauce sports on saturday or friday um had a really good conversation with honcho um it's funny to go and read the youtube comments about anything that you're in which i've never thought about doing um so that was interesting and fun but shout out to honcho i really love having a conversation with that dude he's a great dude they got a really good thing going over there at soft sports so um if you guys are looking to uh really just get the realest that you can about your houston teams um i would go make sure you go like and subscribe uh soft sports a uh, really good conversation there all right john so sunday there was a game at nrg Everybody's on cloud nine right now. The Texans beat the Atlanta Falcons 53 to 33. What are your reactions coming out of the game Sunday? Well, first off, let's let's be happy about this. Let's not. Let's go back to to Jack Jack. We're not going to let anything get in the way of our happiness. There's some things that were concerning, even though we, you know, we scored 53 points, but let's, let's enjoy this week and not let anything get in, in the way of our happiness. Um, initial feelings about the game is this is a team that we should have beat and we did, which is always, you know, important because sometimes there seems that we should beat that we don't. So we're going to enjoy, enjoy that. Carolina. Carolina. <laughs> um, there, it's nice to see Deshaun remember that he has more than hop. Um, that That's something I'm sure we're going to spend a whole bunch of time on. And this is closer to the offense that we were kind of all expecting. Granted, the Falcons without Keanu Neal are just not the same defense. They do still have a lot of talent out there. They, I mean, it's still a very talented defense. But Keanu Neal is kind of like that that keystone player um, and you take him out of the middle of the field. There's a lot more holes in that defense, especially when the entire defense only had eyes for a hop and let Will Fuller just run crazy all over him. Yeah. Um, so my initial reaction to the game is um, this is the offense I expected to see the entire season. This is what, I thought we were going to be. And I think I've pretty much said that from every week on this podcast, that we were a combination of week one and week three. Um, 
and that's what we saw. We saw it all together. It was everything was working. Offensive line solid. Top they're they're number eight in pass blocking percentage right now. Um, Deshaun went through his reads, picked up the couple of the blitzes that came. There weren't a lot of blitzes. We'll get to that later. Um, Deshaun was getting rid of the ball extremely quick. He was very decisive. Will Fuller finally exploded, which we all knew was going to happen at some point. Um, I think that this is what I expected. This is, this was the offense that we should be seeing on a week to week basis. So while I'm excited that we saw it in the back of my mind, I can't keep, I can't stop thinking that the fact that there weren't a lot of blitzes is what kind of, I, why I have some reservations about the offense. Um, I forgot who tweeted it out, but uh, it was a four man rush, like 86% of the the time or something like that. It was some, some very, very high. So Deshaun didn't really have to deal with a lot. If anybody watched the Colts chiefs game on Sunday night, you will notice that spag, the defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnola, right? Yeah. Um, sent a ton of blitzes towards Jacoby Brissett. And at the end of the game, on third down, every third down, it was a zero blitz, which means the corners and, and safeties are in playing man, everybody else gone, um, going after the quarterback. So while I'm excited about the game, I'm glad that we won. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not like on cloud nine, though. I, I think you're supposed to beat the bad teams. And when you're a good team, this is how you beat bad teams. Um, I still have questions about the defense. Uh, but overall, we won the game. We won it soundly. I'm happy about that. You know, I'll say this to kind of, you know, cheer everybody up. We, we're going to talk about the defense at length, and we do have concerns about them. However, if our offense plays like that, even against a team that's that's blitz happy because even though the Falcons did not blitz a lot, it's because every time they got they blitzed, they got burned by Deshaun. He was six of eight uh, for I think 192 yards or something like that. It was something crazy. I need the exact stat in front of me on times when the Falcons blitzed. So that's the promising part. Even though they didn't blitz a lot, when they did, they got absolutely burnt, and. This Chiefs game, uh, their defense doesn't doesn't scare me. It, it's not going to be the defense on the Chiefs that beats us. So, but we'll we'll get into them in a minute. Um, y'all did a great job on this new format and game recap. So let's try and actually stick to it. So let's get to it. Um, you just talked about Atlanta isn't a team that you brag about beating, but this is how you are supposed to beat bad teams when you are good. That's kind of the understatement of the year. I don't know who wrote that, but you're exactly you're exactly right, and it's also an under, understatement. Um, yes, this is how you're supposed to beat bad teams. However, the Falcons are mediocre. They're not bad, and even beating bad teams, lots of teams do not. Lots of good teams do not have a game like this all year. Now. Again, enjoy it. I'm not this. Let's let's not be on cloud nine. It's like, dude, enjoy it. We 
we did kick this isn't college football this uh this is still the nfl there is a lot of there is a lot of parody and the falcons beat the eagles like they're they're not a great team they're not they're not even a good team but they're a team that you can kind of be this isn't this isn't hooking up with the ugly girl at the bar this is you know maybe not something you're gonna brag about but not something you're you should be ashamed about either no, fair, fair. I, I would agree. I mean, I, I think you beat a uh, a mediocre team um, and you beat them the way that you should beat a mediocre team. A uh, lot different team than what they were when they beat the Eagles. And also the Eagles were a completely different team when they played the Falcons. It was, I believe, week two. But still, yes, you're, you're 100% correct. Um, my issues just like my instant reactions on what I what I saw from the team was just another slow start on offense uh, was a concern for me. So, by the way, John, um, the I forgot to tell you this. The format of the of the podcast was done by a couple listeners, but all, everything else in there is actually uh, something I put in there. Oh, so nice. Like the game recap highlights, offense, all that stuff like that's what they did. And then I filled it all in. OK, um, but um, <laughs> and thanks, so you know, when thanks we to y'all for all this. Yeah, it's awesome. No, it's great. It's great to have it. Um, so, but the but the slow start to the offense is like uh, becoming a continuous thing, and it's a continuous thing in just the Bob era here in Houston. First quarter, first two, drive or two, you know, we saw it. We see it all the time with Deshaun and 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 the team in general. You know, whether it's Carlos Hyde or Deshaun or the offensive line, whatever it would be, uh, lots of just missteps and. My issue with that is like a lot of people are like, oh, who cares? Like we won the game. Yeah, no, that you're right. We won the game. But when you play good teams or when you fumble on the first play against the Patriots like you did last year on the 20 and then it's a uh, fade to Gronk and all of a sudden the Patriots are up seven with still 14 minutes left in the first quarter. That's when you start to dig yourself in a hole and it's hard for you to get out of, especially when you play the good team. So they have to get that corrected. That has to be like something that they focus on. Um, but outside of that, yeah, you're right. We beat a team. We beat them soundly. The offense looks solid. I'm not really sure what the Falcons were doing on defense. I'm not sure how Dan Quinn still has a job or how he's calling defensive, uh, calling the defensive plays and putting the defensive game plan together. Uh, I would be, if I was a Falcons fan, I'd be screaming. If you guys think that we have it bad uh, with B.O.B., and even though there were still complaints about Bob this this week, um, I don't understand how you like, do you, do you not just see what happened to Atlanta on Sunday? Like when I tell you to watch all the other games in the league and other teams, this was a prime example of, of another fan base going through something way worse than what you're thinking that we go through. So, um, all right. Another thing that, that has been, everybody's been wondering all week. Who called the plays? It had to be Tim Kelly. It had to be. Bill O'Brien couldn't have called that game. He's not smart enough to put a, an offensive game plan together and execute it in the manner that the Texans did on Sunday. Well, I have news for you. B.O.B. was calling plays the entire game on Sunday. Yeah, apparently he's mic'd up for NFL films. Correct. So that'll be... That'll be fun to watch at some point whenever yes. it comes out. But yeah, apparently he called every single play. So 
sorry, sorry, uh, Bob haters. Sorry, I don't know what you're gonna what you're gonna hate on him about this week. He used all his timeouts too. So, um, unless you guys are mad that he he ended the game with two timeouts uh, after being up twenty, I'm sure you guys will find a way to complain about him then. But, um, yeah. So that offensive game plan came from your head coach. Um, yeah, you know. Go ahead. Again, people kind kind of enjoy this. This a, a, a win like this doesn't mean we're going to the Super Bowl. However, you know, to get really just have a fun win, and when you're trying to pick at Bob at this game, and this is, Bob has a lot of faults. Like there's a lot of legitimate criticism towards them, but this game, this game is not it. Like it really just enjoy this one. It could be worse. You could have been the other team. We have been the other team. We've been the other team with more talent. So let's let's just enjoy this one. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. Enjoy it. We have a big one this Sunday. Um, all right. So let's get to the highlights on offense. Um, obviously, Deshaun, hell of a game. His best game as a pro. His cleats are being retired in Canton again. Um you know, had an amazing day. Mom was there c- celebrating her, um, you know, how she beat cancer. Um, so, you know, he had everything going in the direction he needed for it to go. He's the key for us to go as far as we think that we can go. Uh, some of the takeaways I had from Deshaun, and, and I'll let you chime in after this, um, is that we... Um, we went 10, 10 for 13 on third downs, and um, that's an amazing stat. When you go 10 for 13 on third downs, you're likely going to win the game. Like, that's an amazing stat. It really doesn't get much better than that. Um, in the red zone, four for five, and Deshaun finished the day 28 for 33, 28 out of 33, five TDs. And he averaged 12.9 yards per reception. He had a perfect game as a quarterback. You know, I hope this game kind of, there was this narrative out there about Deshaun having too many distractions when he plays at home. This isn't me trashing on anybody, but I hate, I hated that narrative. If anything, when Deshaun was playing at the home, at, at home at NRG, I think he was trying to, it was more that he was trying to do too much. He was trying to go for the big play every single play. Now, I cannot think of a bigger distraction than the day that your mom gets honored at the stadium for for cancer. And that to him, especially with her being a single mom and everything she did for Deshaun, that would probably be the biggest distraction he's ever had. And he comes out there... And honestly has one of the best played quarterback games that I've ever seen out of any quarterback in a Texans uniform. He was on time. He was decisive. They were picking up the blitzes when they did come. And most importantly, he was going to his second option. It was DeAndre Hopkins is the best receiver in football. There is absolutely a time and the place where Deshaun needs to have tunnel vision for him and just let him dom- dominate. But there are times where Deshaun Watson should just, you know, go out there and dominate. And that's kind of what he 
he did this past game. Will Fuller is a fantastic receiver. And Kiki Kuti is a lot of talent. And Duke Johnson is a really good running back. And Carlos Hyde is a very good is a very good running back when used properly in the right scheme. And we took advantage of having those weapons, and this is what happens. Deshaun just played phenomenal. Again, we had a slow start, but once it kind of kicked into gear, that was fun to watch. And here's the crazy thing. Fuller could have scored two more touchdowns. Yep. He was stopped on the one-yard tw- one line twice, and other players got those touchdowns. Like, that's just... That is craziness. Yeah, no, I think, I think that for, well, one let's let's start with the narrative that Deshaun has too much distractions. I think that's a lazy, lazy narrative, and I think it's it's a it's completely overblown. Um, when you see how Deshaun Watson handles himself as a person, um, I don't really know if you could say that he's basically say he's out partying too much or. Um, you know, whatever it would be, I, whatever, I, I guess. Sure. I mean, he is 20, 24, but at the same time, like this kid is doing everything that he can. And I, I noticed one thing that was different this week that kind of, kind of raised an, an eyebrow at, um, I noticed that on one of the blitzes when I watched the game today, Lermy Tunsil made sure to let Deshaun know that there was a blitz on his side and then they made an adjustment. Uh, if that's how it's going to be moving forward, then fine. If that's how they have to let Deshaun know until he gets, till he, he, he builds up the, the knowledge and the, and the, the ability to be able to pick up a blitz and make the adjustments. That's fantastic. Um, sorry, I kind of went on a tangent. I went from one to the other, but, Anyways, I just uh, no. That's that's that is fantastic. That's how an offense is supposed to work. Even Tom Brady's offensive line will point out what they see to him. That that is a very very good thing. That is something to be very excited about as the offense starts to gel. And again, that is that is just showing growth. We kind of forget how young our team is, and then how quickly a lot of these guys have been put together. I mean, we've got our core pieces that have been around for a couple of years, but there's a lot of new faces on that offense. We think of Deshaun and Fuller and Hopkins, but outside that, everybody's been with the team less than two years. Some people have been with the team less than three months. Yeah. Well, and that's the point that, you know, I kept bringing up in the last couple of weeks was just the fact that, I mean, there's like seven new pieces on this offense. Um, and the for for the expectation to be that everything's just going to be flawless moving forward is kind of insane. Now I th- I still think that we should have been better in games. Not saying that as an excuse. Yeah. Oh, there's. But it, it's just going to take time to click. It's going to take time to gel. You're seeing it with the offensive line right now. Um, but it, it all takes time. And what we saw on Sunday was a perfectly executed offensive game plan. Per you know, executed by Deshaun. And hopefully this is what we see moving forward. Um, we'll get into the Chiefs later, but I think that you know we have a really good opportunity here to to really continue this pace and this momentum. 
Um, all right, enough about Deshaun. Um, run game was established really early, John, and look what happens when the when the run game is established. Uh, Carlos and Duke are literally the best one-two combo that we could ask for. Um, they're they're the perfect complement to each other. It's it's really amazing the fact that we went from Miller Blue to Hyde and Duke and we're getting more production out of our running backs than we've ever gotten before. No, I mean, even Carlos Hyde, 21 yards or 21 carries for 61 yards. That's not eye popping numbers. Like when you see that, it's just, that's not going to blow you away, but the effect that that has on the offense and what it does opening up, up the game plan. And here's the thing. They're almost always positive runs, especially that up the middle, what we used to always complain about wasting Lamar Miller on, that's actually perfect for Carl's side. Just push it up the middle, push it up the middle, keep keep forward, keep going forward with positive, um, positive yardage and keeping the offense on script. That makes a huge difference. Now, what that also does is allow them to bring in Duke Johnson. And Duke Johnson has been everything as advertised. He's a very talented player. Now, his numbers would probably not look as great if he became a featured running back like I know a lot of people in fantasy want him to be. And it's understanding because you look at his his success rate. You look at um, his runs after contact. You look just about how many positive yards he has. I think he's at... Per touch, he averages like 7.8 yards per, per touch. This is either carry or reception. However, they're using him in a manner that actually balances it out and allows him to do that. And they haven't made the same mistakes with Duke Johnson that they made with Lamar Miller because they have a running back like Carlos Hyde. So it's been everything that I've always hoped out of Bill O'Brien in the running game. Not everything, but I mean, we're at least, we're at least on that path. and. You see when they they get them going and how they feed off each other, just what it does for the rest of the offense and getting them going. Now, I say this, but if we become over-reliant on the running game, we're all going to lose our minds, and that completely makes sense to do so. But right now, right now it's a good mix. Right now it's a good mix. The only thing I would change is – if Bill O'Brien could stop running Carlos Hyde outside and just have Duke in when we run outside, I would, I would really appreciate it. Uh, keep Carlos just running up and down. And, uh, you know, if you need to bounce it outside or, um, you want to do a toss play or a counter or something like that, uh, let's have Duke Johnson run the ball because that's just not Carlos Hyde's game. But I mean, Carlos Hyde, 21 carries, 61 yards, um, the outside runs were his only negative yards. He had a very solid day on the ground. Um, Duke Johnson, nine carries for 59 yards. His biggest runs were outside runs and counters. Um, only issue with Duke right now is just that, you know, and, and what I think people don't realize when it comes to Duke is just the fact that, you know, I keep, I see a lot of things about like, Oh, can we throw Duke the ball? Can we throw Duke the ball? And then there was a tweet today. I forgot who tweeted it out, but he's number one in this number one in that number one in this number one in that open space, blah, 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 all that stuff. But it's like, how can you also get Duke the ball in the passing game 
when you have Will, Kiki, and DeAndre, and then you have the tight ends, and then, oh, you also have, you know, when Kenny Stills is healthy, also sprinkled into the offense. It's like, can you, like, what what can you do? Like, you you really can't feed the ball that many to that many people. Um, I think we'll see Duke catch some balls. I just think it has to, it has to fit. And it just, at this point, it hasn't fit through, you know, five games, but we've seen that when he gets the ball, he's dangerous as hell. Yeah. And that's a great problem to have. And there's going to be games where they haven't happened yet, but they will happen where Duke Johnson's going to completely take over the game. And the problem with a lot of the perception that you see out there is it's it's fantasy football. Like, I love fantasy football. I'm in, like, six leagues. Don't get me wrong. But Duke Johnson is one of the most efficient running backs. So, of course, you want to see him touch the ball more. But if he touches – if they started to use him more, if he started to get the volume that you want to see for fantasy football, his efficiency is probably going to go way down. But right now, you just – Again, what they're doing, it's working, and there's going to be games that Duke Johnson is going to get a lot more touches, and he's going to get the volume that fantasy football players want. They're just different sorts of game scripts. When you need to grind out the game, when you're playing with a lead, Carlos Hyde, even if he is only getting, I think at one point, they said 2.1 yards per carry, that's still that's still important. Yeah. I'm not really worried about it, and we'll get to the dumbest take of the week because it kind of touches on something very similar to that. But um, all right, uh, so Will Fuller needs to be a fixture in the offense every week. Um, I tweeted it out earlier than this week. People are starting to pay attention to Will Fuller, obviously, because of the amount of yards and TDs he had. We have been, we've known what Will Fuller is, and we've said it over and over and over again. Will Fuller's speed is not his best attribute. Will Fuller's best attribute is the fact that he can combine that speed with top-notch route running. That's why he's always open. It's the best combination that a receiver can have. And he is a top-notch yeah. route runner. So add that 4, 3, 5, whatever the speed is that he ran in the 40 to being able to run all nine routes in a very crisp manner and you get a dangerous dangerous wide receiver that will kill you and i hope that this week shows us that this will be something to expect moving forward and we've seen it so there's really no reason for us to think that this is just a one-time thing because we've seen with deshaun he loves to go to will fuller he's targeted him early they haven't been in sync this last week they were in sync and we saw the outcome. So I'm I'm hoping moving forward, Will Fuller is going to be a big, big, big part of this offense. And I think he will be. Yeah, yeah he's got to be. Will Fuller is... I, I mean, if you're longtime listeners have known that I've defended his hands, even though sometimes we'll be snarky about it, because his ability to be a technician and run that fast. Typically receivers that are that good at running routes become good at running routes because they're not as fast as Will Fuller. It's very, very rare to have that speed and to be that just to run as many routes on a route tree as he does 
Go look, pull him up on um, Matt Harmon's reception perception. That's a great way to t- see a snapshot on when they get separation and compare him to other so-called deep threats. Just a quick look at it. Not, even if you don't really understand, you'll see with with Phil, Will Fuller, just a, every single one of his routes is green. You see other deep threats like Deshaun Jackson or Ted or Teddy uh, Teddy Ginn Jr. And they've got some red on there. And this is what allows Will Fuller to be dangerous and why we were able to come around to us using a first-round pick on a receiver that supposedly couldn't catch. And let's be honest, his hands really haven't been an issue. That was overblown from the draft. Yeah, no, I think... Um... I think that we're going to see a lot of Will Fuller. We're going to see a lot of Will Fuller this week. Um, we'll get into why as we talk about next week's matchup, but um, I expect to see more Will Fuller. Well, and that's even why I just traded for him a couple hours ago uh, in my fantasy league. Um, all right. Uh, D-Hop did what D-Hop does. Um, he, this is the part where, uh, and we'll get to the the worst take of the week here a little bit later, specifically regarding D Hop. But um, D Hop, the 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 best part about D Hop is what we saw Sunday. Is there was even one, and I should have I should have taken a screenshot of it. But there was one time where he had four defenders by him on a route. He wasn't being just double teamed. He was being triple and quadruple teamed at times. And a lot of that had to do with the scheme and the concept. They, they were taking him towards safeties, um, causing them to, ha- to have to double team him. And when you do that, you open up Kiki, you open up Jordan Akins, you open you uh, you open up Darren Fells, and you open up Will Fuller. And look, D-Hop isn't having the statistical year that we're used to having, but I think Texans fans should actually be excited about that. I, I don't think D-Hop honestly cares if he has a 1500 yard season all he wants to do is win the guy's not a diva he's not obj he's not randy moss he wants to win he's not antonio brown and he's okay knowing that the ball is going to get spread around and it's going to go to the open receiver and if he could be the reason why a receiver is open he's fine with that yeah and uh, he's he is happy being known as the best receiver in football by football players, not by just fantasy football players. He may never have the target share that he had for the past three seasons ever again, which was like 20% of the total offense always going through him. And that is perfectly fine as Texans fans, because that means we have other receivers that can actually catch the ball and they're staying on the field. And there's other options on the offense, which means the offense should score more points and here's the thing. Hopkins is still going to get his. He's too good not to. Just because he hasn't had an amazing first couple of games like he's had in the past doesn't mean that he's gone away. If you watch the Falcons, they were shifting their entire defense towards Hopkins. And when you do that, Fuller has way too much speed. You you can't do that. or this the Falcons game happens and what we're going to quickly see is they're going to start to respect Fuller, which will allow Hopkins to to blow up. And 
this is part of the reason why bringing Kenny Stills on was so important. Not to have that third receiver on the slot, but Fuller hasn't shown the ability to stay healthy. And to keep that effect, it's just going to allow the offense to operate. And we've known in the past the way to beat the Texans was to shut down Hopkins. And that won't be an option. And as Watson even matures more, that really won't be an option. There's so much talent on this offense that this Falcons game and how we operated shouldn't be shouldn't be a once a year type thing. This should happen not not us dropping fifty three like a lot of things have to happen for for a team to score fifty three but us scoring and scoring consistently and scoring on eight of ten drives at one point that should happen, yeah. Yeah, and and D Hop's gonna have a couple games this year where he goes absolutely nuts. Just know that's gonna happen. So for everybody that's clamoring for him to get more catches and more yards, it's gonna happen. He's gonna finish with over a thousand yards. Bet your money on it. Go to Vegas. He's gonna have over a thousand yards. But right now, defenses are just shifting towards him. Like John said, once they start to realize, okay, well, we also have to account for Fuller, then everything will shift back to DeAndre and they'll just go back and forth. And that's the best part about this offense is that you have all this talent around Deshaun for him to be able to go to. Um, Speaking of talent, we use the tight ends again, which is amazing. We use them in the short passing game and we use them in the red zone. Um, Aikens is an extremely good tight end in open space. It's one of the things I've noticed since this year alone is just when he has open space, he has some speed and he's able to, to, to get that yak. Um, and then Darren Phils is just a red zone beast. I mean, we all saw how he caught that ball, then just ra- like raised it. Like he was the older brother and his little brother was down there just jumping, trying to get the ball from him. And he just couldn't, I mean, this offense has so many weapons and the fact that we're starting to see all of it come together and every aspect of the offense is being utilized and we're we're sharing the love. It's it's exactly what you want to see from your offense. And having Aikens and Fells is awesome. It's going to be very interesting to see, you know, when Jordan Thomas comes back in the fold, um, you know, because he's going to come back from IR. It's not going to be Kylie wearing. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Jordan Thomas. But that's just another weapon for you to be able to use. I I love these tight ends. Is it fair to say that through five games? This is the best tight end group that we've had in the Bill O'Brien era. Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt. And this is just with Aikens and Fells. I mean, what they've brought to the offense has has been huge. Aikens, y'all got to remember, this is just the second year. Tight ends take a couple of years to get going. It's very, very rare to have a productive rookie tight end. And Aikens does compare positively to Jordan Reed that – that move tight end, um, what do we call it? The F tight end or shoot? The Y tight end. The Y, no, Y is an inline blocker. There's a, I thought the U was the inline blocker. There's three different tight end designations in our offense and it's y, y is the inline, U, and I think, I think it's F. And that's what Aikens kind of profiles a little bit more as, um, like Steven Anderson, 
uh, Steven Anderson was just a big receiver. Whereas Aikens is actually a, a tight end that can play receiver. So the more that he's out there, the more that you're going to see. And with Fells, you knew what you were getting an excellent blocker that always managed to catch touchdowns for Cleveland. And now that he's getting looked at here, He's been great blocking for the first couple of games, but now Deshaun is starting to notice him in the middle of the field too. And I mean, my two-year-old saw the play where he catches the ball and just holds it over the the, the linebacker and just thought that was the funniest thing ever. But that's the type of effect that he has when you have somebody that big that's usually a blocker. They're going to put a pass rusher on him, and that pass rusher now has to cover him. So again, things like this will happen more often. Um yeah, no, it's great I to mean, see. It, um, all right, let's get to the offensive line because I think that's uh, really the topic that people really want to hear about right now. Um, John, w- there were zero sacks and one quarterback hit this last week. The offensive line is turning into a good offensive line. And dude, they didn't just play good. They pretty much bullied the Falcons. Well, there was a couple of plays. There they was a did. couple of plays where the Falcons got through, but they bullied them. And one of the, one of the, the main, you know, the main reason why they looked good though. Four man rush. Four man rush with Deshaun Watson also having his fastest time to throw since yes. he and the pro. Yes. Um, Put those even two together with, and you have a recipe for disaster for a defense. Yeah. And I would argue the four man rush. Honestly, that's the thing that's going to be talked about a lot. But Deshaun being decisive with more defenders and coverage is something that that's a huge positive. So. Deshaun was throwing the ball in 2.38 seconds, which was good for, I think, fifth in the fifth in the uh, league for this past week. And when he did that, he was doing it against the Falcons team that was playing with more, more, more defenders in, in coverage. Like he was recognizing the coverage and he did. We talked a little bit earlier about his success versus the blitz and he wasn't allowing them to blitz. Now, with the Falcons defense, what they tried to do is they essentially think they have better athletes on defense than you. They keep it relatively simple. They're very similar to the Seahawks. They don't throw a lot of different schemes at you. They just think that their guys are going to go out there and outplay your guys. And and they don't have the athletes they think they do. (laughs) Yeah. I think one of the things that people tend to overlook uh, in this game, especially specific to matchups on the defensive line versus the offensive line, the defensive line of the Falcons um, versus our offensive line, is the fact that they have a really, really good interior pass rush. Uh, Grady Jarrett is a stud. He's he's a hell of a player. And I, I got to eat some crow here, but Nick Martin handled him really well there were some times where he got by and that's gonna happen but nick martin since he signed his extension has been a hell of a center and 
this I would honestly probably give him the game ball on the offensive line, to be honest with you, um, which is shocking. But Nick Martin had a day and the offensive line in general just had a day. They they had a they just did a stellar job all, all around. This will be the offensive line moving forward. It was nice to see Fulton back. Um, Titus Howard looks like he's going to be somebody for everybody that wanted to trash us picking him in the first round. Um, and the good part about what we saw from Atlanta from an interior pass rush perspective is that that's very similar to the chiefs. Yes, they have Frank Clark, but Chris Jones, who we won't end up playing because he's hurt. But when I wrote these notes, that wasn't known yet, but, um, they have, they had a, they have a really good interior pass rush and to know that we're able to hold our own on the inside of the line is fantastic. Um, so yeah, I, I, the offensive line, I said they couldn't rebuild it in one season. I've never seen a team rebuild an offensive line in one season. The Texans have rebuilt their offensive line in one season and they're only going to get better as long as everybody stays healthy. And, And here's the thing. Tunsil is good. He is really, uh, really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he he was worth it. Totally worth it. Yeah. He is good. Totally worth it. I agree. Yeah. I mean, he look, it, yes, we have Titus Howard. And you got him in the first round. But, you know, th- that doesn't always happen. And when you can give up two first round picks to get a top five left tackle in the league, you do it. And we did it. And he's still young and we're going to have him for a long time and he's going to get paid a lot of money. But at the end of the day, when you're protecting Deshaun, it really doesn't matter. Enjoy this now. Enjoy this offense as it is now, because next year and the year after that, we're not going to be able to have the amount of weapons that we have now, at least the amount of skilled weapons that we have. We'll draft well and we'll, we'll get some other weapons, but this next off season is going to be very interesting to see how we keep a lot of the pieces that we have. And um, yeah, I, I, I mean, the offensive line is, is stellar. All right. We spent a lot of time on the offense and it was much deserved. Um, but let's get to the defense. Um, all right, John. So pass rush in my, this is kind of what I took away. There's the highlights of the, of the, of the defense. Um, I, I I thought the pass rush was was average. I know JJ showed up. Um, he had two sacks. You know, he also had two roughing the passer penalties. So, but um, I, I'm still looking to see more from the pass rush. I'm looking to see more from Charles Amenehu. I'm looking to see more from Jacob Martin. Um, Merck was pretty quiet this game. I think moving forward, we're gonna have to see a lot more from the pass rush. You know what? It's one of those games that was kind of interesting. Um, JJ got, of course, the two sacks, and he turned out he was actually the number one graded uh, defensive tackle, not defensive end by PFF, which is interesting for the week. Um, so, or number one graded pass rushing defensive tackle. So his pass rush grade was the highest. And I think that that's interesting because it's kind of showing that JJ's willing to move inside to allow other players on the edge. And they, with the Falcons, they just attacked 
the middle of the pocket. Now, could we get more out of our pass rush? Uh, yeah, we're going to need to because what the Falcons kind of pointed out and it could have gotten really ugly for us is if a team has three quality receivers, we're in, we're in trouble. We do okay when, we, when their top three pass catching options are receiver, tight end, running back, that sort of mixture. But if their top three receivers are also their top three receivers, then it looked like we were having trouble. And it's, it's not Roby. It's not Johnson, even though um, even though Sanu did make Johnson look like a rookie on one play, he did after that. I mean, Johnson actually shut him down for the rest of the game. It's JJ. Yep. It's when teams are able to shuffle their receivers to get a matchup on, on JJ. And if they're quality receivers versus Jonathan, then we're then we're kind of in trouble below average receivers. He can still shut down anybody that he can still rely on to be a technician anywhere that he can still rely on just his experience. He can still shut down, but if they are just an above average athlete that can catch the ball and run a halfway decent route, then he's in trouble right now. And I hate it. And there's a couple of guys out there that are trying to defend him and they point out all the good things that he continues to do. And he, and there is still good from him, but it's on lesser quality receivers. Like I think that with the injuries that the Chiefs have this upcoming week, he's going to be fine. But if we were going up a fully against a fully healthy Chiefs receiving core, they would have enough depth that we'd be in serious trouble. Yeah, I think JJ. What I've noticed more about JJ is um, when he plays outside, specific to the run game. Um, he's getting pushed way outside, and he's he's op- he's basically leaving open a lot of holes in the run game. Um, so it looks like he's gotten worse on run defense, and he's just you know above average on 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 his pass rushing skills. He's not as strong as he once was. You know, his bull rush used to be able to be what beat people. Um, he he always had a good swim move, but right now, I mean through five games, I'm still not like totally thrilled with what we're getting from JJ Watt. And I love JJ. We all love JJ, but I, I expected to see more given the departure of Clowney. Um, and I know Merck has had a great season. He did have a quiet game. I expect him to actually have a massive game. If I had to pick one player on defense, that's probably going to have the best game. Um, it's going to be Whitney Merciless. Uh, he's always played really well against the Chiefs. And I expect that to be the 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 the, 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 the what happens on Sunday. So, um, all right, we're gonna have to speed through these now because I'm looking at the time. Uh, DJ Reader has turned into a three down player. His pass rush has improved, and he's just stellar against a run. DJ Reader through five games, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, is the highest defensive tackle graded in by PFF this season. Is that accurate? Uh yes, he's our highest graded player. He is he's stellar. Yeah, he's he's hopefully going to finally wake up the rest of the league to what we already knew. Um again, this is one of those things where if you've been listening to a wa- for us for a while, you know how much we talk about DJ Reader. When 
James interviewed Bill O'Brien. One of the first players he brought up was DJ Reader. We love DJ. And he is turning into the type of player that the entire league should be talking about here shortly. Yep. It's amazing to see, given where he was drafted and what how he's gotten better every year. Uh, it's very rare that you see a defensive tackle, specifically in a 3-4, come a, become a three-down player. Um, but he has, and he's he's been really good. Um, all right, Zach Cunningham. Look, we've been on the Zach Cunningham train. He's just becoming better and better every week. But where he's getting better and better at is sitting in his own and in coverage. He's just getting better. He's continuing to get better at the in the area that we really wanted to see him shine in. And in the first few seasons, we were a little concerned because, you know, we were also asking him to stay with running backs and it's just hard for a linebacker to do. You know, there's Deion Jones and then really that's it. Uh, you know, Luke Keekley now probably not so much. Bobby Wagner maybe. But uh, Zach Cunningham is just continuing to come into his own. He's one of my favorite players to watch on defense, especially when the All-22 comes out. You can just kind of see he's just everywhere. He's always where the ball is. Um, he's really been he's just like a little Pac-Man out there. Yeah. Oh, I wish somebody would make like a little gif, just turn him into Pac-Man and just watch him. Yeah, it, it's fun to watch. It's super fun to watch. And to know that that's that he's just still getting better and this is only his third season is is fantastic. We're not seeing a lot of Dylan Cole. And the reason for that is because Zach Cunningham is playing so damn well. Um, so big props to Zach Cunningham. Uh, Bradley Roby, look, I tried to tell all of you in the offseason. There were so many writers that were telling everybody that and Broncos fans that Bradley Roby is not a starting caliber corner. Well, all of them are wrong. Bradley Roby has been the best secondary player we have on this team. He's been amazing this entire season. I want to lock him up right now. I, I would if I was the Texans. I'd be having conversations about locking him up right now long term. But he probably doesn't want to do that because he wants to have a bidding war and see, you know, get the most money that he can. And he can't fault him for that. But, John, I mean, Bradley Roby has really just been that player for us. He's been exactly what we needed. Yeah, I still find it funny that you fell in love with him because of Madden. But you're that's, right. <laughs> no, that's, I'm not even joking. <laughs> that's, that's that's crazy. And yet I you're feel, right because of it. So, yeah. So, I for mean, backstory. Even – even I was, I mean, I was positive about him, but you just loved him. And you've loved him since the moment we signed him before before we even signed him. When we, it was one of the guys that you wish we would go after. And I remember just looking at you like, I mean, he's all right. And then we got him and you're like, this is the sa- signing of the offseason. Like you are so beyond over the moon. And I'm like, why are you so excited about him? And you're like, Madden. <laughs> yeah, well, a little backstory. So like Four years ago when I was really heavy into Madden, I ended up like getting one of his cards in Mutt and I played with him and it was amazing. It was fun. So then I started to watch him with the Broncos. And once I started to watch him and saw what he was capable of, I was like, wow, this is this guy's a really, really good corner. And just off of Madden alone is what caught my intrigue. And then once I started to watch him, you could just see that he has the physical ability. He's very fast. Um, he's physical when he needs to be. He's not the biggest corner, but he'll get in your face. He can play man. Um, he can press and he has the recovery speed that if he gets beat off the press, he can still recover. Um, and if you watch the film for the last five weeks, 
he's in the pocket of every single receiver that he's covering. I haven't seen one play yet where it's blown because of Bradley Roby. And no, that's no. that's what you're looking for for your corner. That's what you want. You want you want to be able to and have that one corner do that. And it's like magic. He comes here and all of a sudden he can actually play zone halfway decent. I mean, when we brought him in, the knock on him was he was a he was a solid man cover, but as soon as you dropped him into zone coverage, he was lost. And here he can play zone. So I maybe just Denver didn't know because zone takes a little bit of learning. Maybe zone they just didn't know how to teach him it. I don't know, but no, he's looked good, and he's one of those players. Him and DJ Reader. I'm not entirely sure how we're going to afford both of them, but we've got to we got to spend some money this off season. Yeah. Yep. No, it, it, and it's a good problem to have. It's it's a very good problem to have. All right, um, let's get to the lowlights of the offense. Um, I want to see more Kiki and less stills when he gets back, and I know that's going to drive people crazy. Um, we have a, I forgot what it's called, but you know, you you remember what you've seen. Uh, you remember recency what is it? Bias. Yeah, recency bias. You know, Kenny Stills has been great since he's been here. He's done a lot of things. Kiki only has really had one game, which was Falcons, where he was really good. Um, but I, I really like Kiki in this offense and a lot of it has to go back to what we saw from him last year. When you have Kiki underneath, um, it just changes the whole dynamic of the offense. He has a true understanding of the offense. Um, he knows his role. He knows how to execute and he just gives Deshaun another weapon. Um, but beyond that, um, when he has the ball in his hands in the open field, he's very dangerous. And, um, I like stills. I think he's a great player. I don't think he was a throw in on the trade. I do think that he was a target of ours. Um, but moving forward, the wide receiving core is going to be DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller and, and Kiki. And I think from a developmental perspective, I'd like to see Kiki get more reps just so as we continue on this path, we know what we have in Kiki more. And I think we can count on, on him a little bit more. So I'd like to see Kiki in the offense and then stills kind of spell him, you know, in certain times of, of the game. I'm not going to argue with you on it. Um, Cause we've got an interesting problem with our receivers um, with stills. It's kind of like the, let's say like the Jadavian Clowney situation that we've had in the past with defense stills is the better football player than Kiki Kuti. But Kiki is the better slot receiver. So do you put the better player, the both athlete and just better receiver in general, over the better position player? And it's a great dilemma to have. It's uh, awesome for our depth. It sucks if you play fantasy football and you're trying to rely on any of these guys because I think that it's going to balance it out enough. And I think that there's going to be weeks where the offense kind of shifts depending on what the defense is giving us and whether or not we see more Kiki or we see more Kenny Stills. Uh, again, I'm throwing out pro football focus grades like crazy today, but Kenny Stills is one of the top five receivers in the league um, on grades this year. And that doesn't mean that's not the end all be all, but it's Kenny Stills is a damn good receiver. And here's the extra twist. It's like, I was about to joke around that we should just go Arizona Cardinals and go four receivers, bring back the run and shoot. However, our offense has moved the best when we're in 12 personnel, which is with two, two tight ends with two receivers, two tight ends. So we've got, we've got good problems to have right now and we'll see how it all kind of meshes together. And 
you know, as Stills gets more reps in this offense, it'll be very, very interesting to see. Um, again, great, great problems to have. Oh my God. OJ Howard just caught a foul ball barehanded at the Astros game. <laughs> oh, I'm glad he caught something. Oh, that's literally the tweet. OJ Howard has the same amount of catches in Tropicana tonight as he did in the Superdome on Sunday. <laughs> anyway, sorry, back to the back to the topic. Uh yeah, no, I mean it is a good problem to have when you have all the receivers and you have all the tight ends and all the running backs. It's it's what we discussed earlier on in the podcast is just you, you have to find a way to get everybody involved. And, you know, I think stills will end up being the odd man out. Unfortunately, I think you'll, I think he'll still be productive when he's on the field, but it's just to, to get everybody involved is just going to be tough. Um, all right. Um, the low lights, the offensive starting slow again, fumbles, miscommunication on handoffs. We talked about that already. Um, special teams. Here's the thing. Let's go back to last year, literally around this exact same time. When we had Trevor Daniels and Kaimi, Trevor was holding. Uh, he didn't hold in college. Uh, him, John Weeks, and Kaimi were trying to get on the same page. Kaimi wasn't very accurate on his kicks. A lot of it had to, everything ha- it had to do with was the holds. Um, and we're running into that same problem now. One thing I've I, I read and I saw a tweet that mentioned this that Anchor has always had issues with holds in the past on every team he's been on. Um, I, so I see a lot of people like, oh, we, we, uh, what was it? I, I don't know. I saw somebody say, okay, we brought in a punter for competition. We brought in, you know, we cut Aaron Colvin, you know, we need to do the same with Kaimi. We need to bring in competition for him. Kaimi is fine. He's a hell of a kicker. I don't know how none of you guys know this yet. Kaimi Fairbairn is a really good kicker. He's not amazing deep, but he's a very consistent and, and, and reliable kicker. Right now, the issue is they're just getting acclimated with Brian Anger holding again. And this is what happens when you make a switch midseason or at the beginning of the season. You, you have to give them time. And John Weeks will work with them. John Weeks is the best long snapper in the league, friend of the podcast. They're going to get it corrected. But I, I would tell you, go look at the holds and watch. Those holds aren't very good again. And stop thinking it's Kaimi. It's not Kaimi. Yeah, that's apparently the entire reason that we're even able to get Anger. Anger's got a great leg. I mean, he he can kick the daylights out of the ball, but that's been the knock on him, and he's not a very good holder, and that matters. I mean, that absolutely matters. And again, go back exactly same time last year, Bear Baron was having the exact same issues. So they'll get it. They must believe they'll get it settled out. Um, otherwise, anger wouldn't be, have been back. So hopefully they do, because, you know, it's nice to have one of the top punters in the league. But we've got to get our, our field goal situation. We've got to get it fixed. We can't continue to miss miss those kicks because that's actual points on the on the uh, the board, not just flipping the field. Yeah. Um, all right. Another thing that is kind of worrisome is just that DeAndre Carter just doesn't look the same this year as he did last year. He hasn't been as dynamic on his returns. Obviously, he had the fumble. Um, but DeAndre Carter just isn't looking like what we were expecting him to be based on what we saw last year. Yeah, these his returns right now, he's been crazy aggressive. 
However, he's just literally giving exactly what the return team leaves out there. Like he's not making anybody miss. He's not doing anything impressive. Like it's why, why is he here that if he's not, you know, if if we're just going to do a fair catch and catch the ball and run to the first defender, we could have that roster spot used on any number of players. And right now I'm not really sure why it's Carter. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, All right. Um, what else? All right. So that's that on the offense, on the defense, really the secondary is still the weakest part of the defense. Um, you know, J Joe is limited. We all knew that coming into the season, he was limited. Lonnie's going to make rookie mistakes, but it looks like he's getting better and better every week, which is really all you can ask. Um, there's really no answer for J Joe. Um, that's going to be something that's going to have to be addressed in the off season. Um, I don't see them rolling out Xavier Crawford or another corner, Philip Gaines. Uh, I, I just don't see it. JJ is going to finish the season with us um, and he's going to finish as a starter. Um, lack of pass rush. We talked about that. Blackson, where is Blackson? He's, he's a no-show. I mean, he's literally been a no-show. All I heard all offseason was how good Blackson was at camp, how great he turned it on last off, last at the end of last season. I have not seen anything from Blackson that makes me think he's going to produce in this defense. Blackson's been better at, at stopping the run. He's, when it comes to creating interior pressure, though he really has been a disappointment. But he's been a key component in our run game and or in stopping the run game. So he does have that going for him. But for what they've paid him, you, I don't, I don't know. Season's yeah. still relatively young. Maybe we'll see more out of him. But yeah, yeah. I'm also not seeing anything out of Jacob Martin or Barkevius Mingo, the two players that we received back for Jay Davey and Clowney, whatever, I guess we'll just never see anything from them. Um, the biggest takeaway I think on defense and the low light is just the red zone defense continues to be a problem. Um, we've seen it all year that when teams are in the red zone, we tend to not be able to stop them. Um, and that's the one area where a defense should shine just because of the condensed field. Um, as we heard Booger tell us, millions of times last night on Monday night football. Um, but um, John, the red zone defense has to get better if we're going to be a contender. Yep. Because something tells me that our red zone offense will regress at some point right now. I think we're second in the league and, and as fun as this is, we all remember last year, the all field go offense. So that's probably kind of, you know, spoiled my view on it. I don't think that our, our, our offense can continue to score every time we get in the red zone. So we've got to start stopping people when they get in the red zone. So it kind of balances out. Yep. Um, all right. Press conference and social media topics. Uh, Deshaun continues to shock the world with his defensive breakdowns and press conference. This one, I give him a little bit more credit. Um, you know, he went a little bit more in depth. I'm glad that this is going to be a continuous thing. It's nice to see, you know, a quarterback take the time to be able to explain what they're seeing on defense, um, and be able to break it down in the way that Deshaun can. Um, it just shows how smart he is and how, how amazing of a person he really is. Um, my only knock on that is 
what I'm glad he's doing it. Like it's great. And it's not really even a complaint. It's kind of like more of a wish is he would actually sit there and he gets up there and he, he he's speaking football. And most people, even though they watch football every week and they may listen to us every week, they don't really know football. And for somebody, if not necessarily Deshaun, but one of the reporters, even afterwards, when they talk about how great of a job he does when he goes up there and does that, is actually explain it to people. Heck, maybe that should be us. So the kind of take what Deshaun's saying and turn it into everyday, into everyday words, not just football words. Yeah. My biggest concern is that Deshaun's going to uh, misspeak and say something wrong. And then it's going to go viral for the wrong reasons. And it's bound to happen if this is asked every week. Um, so that's that's my only real issue with it. Um, B.O.B. was not arrogant after the win, which is typically not the case. Usually he's all about himself. You can see it. You can see it in his voice or hear it in his voice. You can see it in his body language. He's very short with the media. He Not this week. He was not. not that's not how he approached it. So um, he was very... He gave a lot of credit to Deshaun, gave a lot of credit to the team, which is what he typically does, but um, he was not his normal arrogant self. Um, Deshaun Watson, third quarterback all time with 400 passing yards, 40 rushing yards, and five TDs. He is the only quarterback to have that stat line and also only have five incompletions. He's the only quarterback to put his performance into perspective. Yeah, so they took away his cleats. Right. Yeah, they took his shoes. It's like, you did great, so we're going to send your shoes to Ohio. Those poor shoes. What did they do to deserve to go to Ohio? Yeah, well, he's like, it's all right. I got to deal with Nike, so I'll just get another pair. Um, All right, worst take of the week. And I love this. I love this. And I love that we're going to do this every week. Um, The Texans need to find a way to get Nuck more yards. He has 31 receptions for 347 yards and only TD two TDs on the year so far. Um, yeah, I don't, nobody should care. A fan should never care about an individual player's stats when your team is winning. Whomever said that is just mad because their fantasy team lost. Yeah. Well, that's all. I mean, how do you, you don't have to get nuke more involved when you score 53 points and Believe it or not, he was a huge reason why we scored 53 points. I right, that yeah. Well, you also take receptions for 88 yards. Like which I mean, that's a good day. Yeah, for most players that's a very good day. Right. Uh, the fact that we're that spoiled that oh he went 6 for 88 but he didn't score a touchdown. You know what? You're just mad you didn't win at your fantasy league. I'm sorry. And I I again, I'm not another individual that talks about the Texans that hates on fantasy. I love fantasy, but don't let it cloud your enjoyment of a, of a win like this. Like seriously, people. Yeah, no, I agree. It was a bad take. Very, very bad take. All right. AFC South update. Uh, Colts beat the chiefs. They lay the blueprint for how we should game plan for them next Sunday. And I, uh, I wrote that. I, I think that the Colts really did lay the blueprint on how to beat the chiefs. Uh, I'll take it a step further, though. The Patriots actually are the ones that laid the blueprint last year and establishing the run and keeping the ball and keeping uh, away from Mahomes and keeping Mahomes off the field. Uh, but the Colts did what nobody expected them to do. They went into Arrowhead and they beat the Chiefs and they did it with Jacoby Brissett. Um, they did it with uh, a lot of injuries and they still won. So 
um, you know, whatever f- the Colts. Um, all right. Uh, Jags lose to the Panthers. Yeah, the Jags are just a bad team. I mean, I get that Gardner Minshew, like, that's fun. It's a great story. I really like watching him play. He's, he, he probably- he's fun, and, and I it makes me hate that he's on the Jaguars because right. whenever the Jaguars get good, they get arrogant. Um, I liked it better when they were the Glitter Kitties. They were fun then. But, yeah. Well, yeah, it just sucks that he's on the Jags and we have to deal with them thinking that he's now the next second coming of Tom Brady. Listen, Gardner Minshew was a six-round pick. He's fun. He's going to be a replacement-level quarterback. And there was years where we would have killed for to have a replacement-level quarterback. But let's try and keep this in perspective and tell them over at uh, Duval to chill. Just chill. Yeah, I mean, they, they probably found their franchise guy. Um, you know, he's he's looked really good. I mean, he really has looked really good. And he ha- he's had tough matchups. I mean, hell, he put up more points than Deshaun did against the Panthers. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't want to, I don't want to downplay what Gardner Minshew has done. He's, he's, he's so fun to watch. His story is great. Um, he's a hell of a character, hell of a guy. It seems his interviews are awesome. Um, and you know, the Jags may have found one. DJ shark is now a viable fantasy wide receiver because of Gardner Minshew. Um, and he's fun to watch, you know, good for the Jags, but you still don't have Deshaun Watson. We do. So, um, yeah. you keep, and again, it's just right in that Leonard Fournette train. It's Jags fan ruining Jags fans ruining a good thing. And this isn't all Jaguars fans, but there's enough out there. Just do that hashtag D U V A and a bunch of L's afterwards. And you'll see what I'm talking about. Yep. It's kind of like the, uh, the Browns fans where the Browns were a good story until their fans got involved. It's, it's the same thing with the Jaguars. Uh, Titans lay a dud against the Bills. Well, that's what the Titans do. And then, you know, whenever they play the Patriots, they'll beat the Patriots and then they'll lose to, you know, the Jets. So um, the Titans are just awful. Um, so the current AFC South standings, Texans three and two, Colts three and two, Jags two and three, Titans two and three. Uh, this is the division for that the Texans should take. Um, even though the Colts beat the Chiefs, they are a very well coached team. They have a lot of players. Lots of stars, lots of really good players on the team on both sides of the ball, uh, but they are limited at quarterback. I think we're seeing it now with Jacoby Brissett. They're going to be in the market for a quarterback next year, um, and they're probably going to get one. They have everything they need to be able to go up and get one, so this will be the year that we take advantage of the Colts being the Colts. All right, John, next week we play the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. Um, it's definitely the matchup that we've circled. It's the matchup that I've said three weeks ago that we would win. Um, I, I'm not necessarily worried about the game, but the part that worries me about the game is the fact that if you want to beat Patrick Mahomes hobbled or not, you have to play a lot of man and, we just haven't seen that. Now, maybe we've been playing possum and we're going to only play man on Sunday. But the realist in me tells me that we're going to play off 10 yards and we're going to play zone the entire game. I'll just cry if that happens. We have we've we have the players to play man now. We have well, I guess the athletes is the better way to put it. 
they are not going to have their receiving core at full strength. So it's kind of like our opportunity. Part of me would rather them actually be healthy because I want to see where we're really at versus an elite team. But it's in a position where we, I mean, we should really have a chance. I mean, we should, we're not going to be favorites, but we should be. We are relatively healthy. I mean, Deshaun isn't, I mean, Pat Mahomes is a great quarterback, but it's not like Deshaun is just some water boy out there. He's not a replacement level quarterback. I mean, this should be our opportunity, and they've and we we know how to attack Tyron Matthew. Um, we know how to attack this defense. So I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but this. Yeah, because whenever we'll, we've looked at games like this in the past, and it's like, yeah, everything lines up for a chance for us to get the upset, to get national attention, and usually we we don't. <laughs> usually things do not work out our way, even with Deshaun Watson as our quarterback. And this just it still feels like this is going to be one of those games that we're going to lose on the final possession because that's you know what we do against a team like this, and it's not necessarily even the players. Sometimes it's just the mystique around the team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Chiefs have, and, and I'll list the injuries, uh, lots of injuries right now. Uh, Chris Jones will not be playing. Frank Clark is hurt as well. Patrick Mahomes is hobbled. Anthony Hitchens got hurt. Uh, they're starting uh, right guard. Uh, Wiley got hurt and Sammy Watkins got hurt as well. Um, but one thing that I didn't mention is the fact that there's a very strong chance that Tyreek Hill is back this week. Um, Sue, with that being said, um, if you're going to beat the Chiefs, it's going to be this week based on the injuries that they have. But it all comes down to the defense uh, and and being able to play man. Um, and then it also comes down to Deshaun being able to pick up blitzes and hoping that we see what we saw Sunday. Because if that's the case, I'm really not worried. If we see a situation where he's getting hit a lot because he's not picking up or recognizing the blitz, then honestly, this win Sunday doesn't even matter. Um, because it's just another step back. And when you're in week six, you can't take another step back. This is where the momentum needs to build. We saw it last year, you know, two weeks ago is when we would have started our 10 game win streak from last year. Um, and you know, once that started, you know, the team just continued and hopefully this will be this, this game against the Falcons will be what's kicked off, uh, the momentum and, really put us in a position to be able to be successful for the rest of the season. But it's going to be a lot about the short passing game to open up the deep game. It's going to be about establishing the run extremely early and not abandoning it. And I I can't emphasize that enough. We cannot abandon the run, John. Sorry, the Astros just lost. So yeah. yeah. Ah. Uh. All right. Um, yeah. We can't abandon the, the the run, but it can also be something that we just, you know, rely on entirely. We know how it goes with with the Texans. We're gonna do we're gonna play how Deshaun plays. Um this is probably the we talked about it a little bit last week, but this is probably the the biggest failing in Bill O'Brien's 
offense and his offensive philosophy is it's based entirely around the quarterback. And with how we're going to go into the game prepared, it's all on Deshaun. If Deshaun goes in there and has a game like he did against the Falcons and against the Chargers, we've got it. If he doesn't, then it doesn't matter who's out there on the Chiefs. They still have enough. They still have enough to win. And arguably, the opinion right now is Andy Reid is the better is the better coach. Even though, remember, Andy Reid got chased out of Philadelphia. So you know, there's there's limitations to him. Yep. Um, another key to the victory uh, for Sunday is picking on Breland early and often. He should be matched up against Fuller. Um, and if that's the case, Fuller's going to eat him alive as long as Deshaun is targeting him. Um, and also, I mean, yeah, like you said, we know how to beat Tyron Matthew. He is playing predominantly free safety this year, um, which is smart for the Chiefs. He is a better free safety than he is uh, playing nickel and being moved around. Um, he, he had a you know a pretty good play the other day. It was a pretty easy play to pick off, but he still did his job and picked him off. But um, he is very susceptible to uh, double moves, uh, so keep that in mind. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I think I think it's going to be a fun game. I, I do think we win. So let's get to our predictions for the game, John. What do you expect from the team on Sunday? You know what? I'm going to be positive. I'm not going to let things get in the way of my happiness. And I think that we're going to, I think we're going to shock the world and it shouldn't be a shock of the world. We, we should beat the chiefs. It should, whether or not our defense comes to play doesn't really matter because their defense is worse than ours. No matter what, even when the, our defense doesn't show up, like it looked like it didn't quite show up against the Falcons at times, even that defense is better than what the chiefs have. The chiefs, they have to score and they have to score in bunches. And I think that we are legitimately the first team that they've played this year. They've played teams in the past that could keep up with them, but teams this year that can legitimately keep up with the chiefs and scoring. And I mean, just look at everybody thought that the Ravens would be that team, but as much as I like Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson is better than Lamar Jackson. He really is. Yep. yep. And there's no, better I... weapons and there's better, more experienced weapons on the Texans. So we should be able to, we should be able to do it. We should be able to enjoy this game. And I, hopefully this is going to be that game where it looks like it's going to be typical Texans. We're going to lose on the last possession and we actually pull it out and it just starts a trend because it's against the team that has that mystique right now. One of those teams that's considered the elite team in the league. Yeah, I think, um, I think we win and I think we win pretty like hands down is really what I think. I think we're prepared. I think we, we, we know what we need to do on, on offense and defense to be able to win. Um, I think the Lions really laid the groundwork on how to beat the Chiefs on on defense and how to slow them down, um, which seems to be lost in all of this Colts beating the Chiefs. Um, the Lions the week before played a hell of a game against them, um, and I expect it to be the same. I, I really think I, I wouldn't be surprised if we won by 10, um, but I expect us to win by a touchdown, and I think 
everybody's going to be feeling even better than what they felt on Sunday. So, um, all right, real quick before we get out of here, John, um, I got one more thing. It's not on the agenda. Oh boy. Oh boy. Am I loving watching this whole Baker Mayfield thing happen? I mean, (laughs) there is, there is nothing better. I used to think my Sundays were great when the Texans won and the Cowboys lost, but now my Sundays can be even better when the Texans win, the Cowboys lose, and Baker Mayfield looks like absolute donkey trash. Um, Baker Mayfield is an average quarterback right now. I said it. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, they've put too much on his plate. They've gotten away from a lot of things that they were successful with. They're... What's his name? Old Billy Bob, their 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 coach up there, uh, Kitchens. Brady Kitchens. Um, he's doing exactly what Bill O'Brien did to Deshaun his second year. He got away from the simplistic things that worked that were based on a lot of the schemes that Deshaun did in college because he felt that as though long term it would be better for Deshaun's career, and we had to have a little bit of a short short term pain with that and. Kitchens is doing it with Baker, but he's not having even the success that as frustrated as we were that Bill O'Brien had with Deshaun and Baker is regressing. Whereas Deshaun became more accurate as a passer and his intermediate and short passing just went through the roof and his interceptions is, I mean, I don't want to say anything too positive about his interception rate because I'm afraid that that can always change at any second, but you just Mm. compare them. I just compare them. And right now I I'm all on board with this idea that because a couple of idiots decided to rank Baker ahead of Deshaun and this wasn't just the players. There was, there was a lot of respected journalists. Yeah out there that were saying that Baker Mayfield's going to be a better quarterback than Deshaun. And I'm all for making the Browns our rival because of this, just because people, you know, I mean, just because they talked smack because it shows just how much the national media actually watches Texans football games. They think that, yeah, this should even be up for debate. Yeah. Well, Baker's trash. He's been trash all year. He's thrown four TDs and has eight interceptions. He's looked awful. He finished the game yesterday with a 13 QBR. He had a 36% completion rating. Um, Yeah, Baker's been trash. And uh, even the win against the Ravens, he wasn't very good. Uh, Nick Chubb just went the F off. So, yeah, I I don't want to hear any more comparisons about Baker to Deshaun. I, I don't really think that you can do it. And for all the respected journalists out there that decided to stand on that that cliff or whatever the hell the, the wording is, um, you were wrong and you're an idiot. And that just shows that you don't deserve to have the job that you have. And that's on you. So, all right. We are literally an hour and a half in this. Might, I think this is literally the longest podcast we've ever had. We'll tighten it up next week. Um, I think you guys will actually enjoy it, though, so it doesn't even matter. I know you guys always love when we go long. So. Uh, John, anything else? 
No, I gotta go mope. Yep, yep. Go, go lick, go lick your wounds, um, yeah. and hope that uh, Verlander can pitch again in Game One if you guys can pull this series off. Oh man! Uh, but at least this you is... have Garrett Cole going, so that's all good. Yeah, this the Astros. No, no, I, I'm not going to turn this into a baseball podcast. Don't but do dang, it because I can't dang. hang with you that long. <laughs> <laughs> not on baseball I'm just, uh, I'm all right with that sad. being said uh, for all the astros fans out there lick your wounds you have garrett cole going to the mound in game five you'll likely win you need your bats to wake up has really been the issue this entire series get the bats to wake up um all right and uh daryl Morey, we love you i love you yes don't let any of that other stuff daryl Morey, your rockets fans love you i'm not a rockets fan but i love you and if you decide that you're going to get, or if you're going to get fired, there's a team in LA that would love to have you. So not funny. No, 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 stop. I'll end it right there. And Daryl Morey is a Los Angeles Lakers general manager signing off for Texans unfiltered. I am young Ari gold. I'll catch you guys next week. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod and everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.